Hey, y'all. Yes, it's Thursday afternoon. Uh, we had to pre-record this and then kind of throw it up on the air later. So this is a pre-recorded show. But Thursday afternoon, still yet, probably around 5 o'clock Pacific time by the time, maybe 6 o'clock by the time this drops uh, in your uh, uh, YouTube or Facebook life. So uh, thank you for joining us. Make sure you share the show. It's good to be with you guys on Thursday afternoon. This is Water Break with Waterboy. Um couple announcements before I get into my, my guest, uh, get into the show with my guest. We're going to be talking about kind of the Pres- PCA General Assembly, what happened, what's going on at Presbytery. We're going to get into um, some of the politics that are going on behind the scenes. You know, and it's good for us as Christians to know what is going on in, uh, in, in our denominations, our own denominations, other denominations and everything. So I hope this show is a blessing to you. Um, first off, your magazine... Should be dropping, for those who are subscribers, your magazines should be dropping in your mailbox by the end of this week or by the end of next week. So make sure you guys look for that. I'm really excited. This It's just a quality uh, magazine experience. And, of course, if you haven't subscribed to our magazine, make sure you sign up. Go to fightlaffees.com for that. Those who are starting the university class with Jesse Sumter this coming week, uh, get ready. Jesse's going to be sending emails out to you guys uh, on the class, Education is Warfare. I think there's one spot left. It might have already sold out, but um, uh, if you if, if it hasn't sold out yet, you can still eke into that class. Education is warfare. Uh, the Tennessee Conference, Fight, Laugh, Feast Conference in Lebanon. Uh, we are so excited about this conference. It, the, the title is Politics of Sex. Uh, sex is inherently political, and what you do in the privacy of your bedroom never stays there. It always impacts the world. A culture is either built on fruitfulness or unfruitfulness, and so how we view marriage, children, the bedroom, uh, it all matters, and it comes out into the world, and so we hope you join us with Pastor Wilson, Vody Bauckham, Doug Tenaple, David Bonson, and a host of others. We'll be doing nine SWAT talks with over 20 speakers. Uh, register now at fightlifefeast.com. Go to fightlifefeast.com, and you click on the conference, Tennessee conference, and we hope to see you guys there. It's in September. Registration is going fast, uh, and if you want to vend or booth at the conference, there should be a form that you can fill out from there also, um, or email Anna at crosspol- Anna at uh, fightlaffeast.com, Anna at fightlaffeast.com if you want to vend at that conference. Lastly, before I get into the show, and we kind of have developed a cool partnership with a Christian uh, kind of payment processor company, Dime Payments, and we're excited to let you know about this partnership because if you purchase dime if you work with dime they actually support us so the more support you give dime the more they'll support us so dime payments is a christian owned processing payment business every business needs a payment processing system so go to uh, dimepayments.com dimepayments.com forward slash flf dimepayments.com forward slash flf and sign your business up working with them supports us uh, they won't cancel you like Stripe. Stripe actually canceled President Trump. Mel Chimp canceled um, the Babylon Bee just a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, one of the things we're trying to do here at our network is we're trying to kind of put together uh, a number of Christian companies that we know are cancel-proof and want to work with like-minded Christian um, entities and organizations like us. So you need every business needs a processing payment com- company. So go to dimepayments.com forward slash FLF. And if you can't go to that um uh, website forward slash FLF. Just make sure um, you tell them Cross Politics sent you. That would be really helpful. So I have with me actually in the studio today my, my buddy Scott Hedgecock. Scott Hedgecock is lead advisor for a financial firm 
And he's a ruling elder at Trinitas over in the Seattle area. Thank you, Scott, for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, Gabe. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you. Uh, and Scott was, uh, the reason why we have Scott on is because he's a ruling elder already mentioned at Trinitas over in the Seattle area. And he was at the PCA General Assembly uh, last week. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I actually grew up in the Presbyterian Church of America. I grew up in that denomination. Uh, I started going to that, uh, you know, I started attending that a church in that denomination probably when I was like three or four years old. Uh, attended Presbyterian churches when I was living in New Mexico, when I was also living in Oregon, and uh, and then now I'm in the CREC here in, in Idaho. But I grew up in the, in the PCA, and so in a lot of ways I have a lot of kind of um, spiritual debt uh, to the PCA. They were very faithful and helpful to me in my walk with the Lord, and so I I, I, I owe them uh, um, in in some way. So um, the Presbyterian Church, the PCA, that denomination means something to me, and so I've been kind of following the PCA since I even left, you know, years ago. And, uh, you know, we had Greg Johnson on our show in 2018. I'm sure you remember listening to that interview. And Greg Johnson, he's a pastor in the PCA, the Presbyterian Church of America. He's a pastor in, in St. Louis. And uh, he's part of a movement called Revoice in uh, within, well, Revoice is not a Presbyterian associated conference. It's kind of an evangelical conference. But he's part of this Revoice movement, which is having a huge impact on the PCA and, and kind of the gist of what's going on with the revoice movement is um, they basically argue that you can identify as same sex attracted or identify as gay um, and be celibate and still be, you know, kind of a, a faithful congregant or church leader in Greg Johnson's uh, situation in the PCA church. And so he, um, and so we got him on the show uh, to kind of, Walk through that, and I, I recommend you guys go back, Google Greg Johnson across politics, go back and listen to that episode in 2018. Um, it, it's a there's a lot of um, I wouldn't say nuance, I hate that word, but there's a lot of um, uh, kind of jello in that argument. And as we talked to Greg years ago, and it's still kind of very present, uh, in, in talking about same sex attracted, talking about identifying as gay and still being celibate and so forth. We don't identify with our sin. Um, but Greg tends to argue that that it's okay to um, identify with your sin while being celibate, while not being a practicing homosexual and being church leadership. So, so the GA General Assembly two years ago, this is our our buddy, uh, Steve. Oh man, what's his last name? Pastor Steve out of North Carolina, I think is what it is. Um, he stood up in oh. protest. Steve Warhurst. Yeah, Stephen yeah, Warhurst. Yep. Stephen Warhurst. Yep. He stood up in protest of uh, basically they're they're trying to adopt what they called side B, um, uh, what was it, side B uh, language, basically that kind of carved out this same-sex attracted, um, you know, celibate uh, uh, categories. And Steve Wedgworth, uh, uh, not Wedgworth, uh, Steve Warhurst, Warhurst, he stood up against it at GA, kind of got slapped down too. Were you at that were you at that General Assembly? Yeah, yeah. it was actually my first General Assembly. So what happened wow. was there was an overture. Um so overtures are things that appeals that presbyteries or even individual churches can make toward the General Assembly yeah. to say, hey, we all want to say this. Will you say this with us? Um and so there was one that had been made uh directly against revoice theology and it wasn't directed specifically at Greg Johnson, but obviously it had him in mind. Right. And um, he was on the minority report. 
So the majority of the overtures committee, which approves these things to come to the floor or not, had said, no, let's pass on this overture. Stephen in the minority had said, here's reasons why. And while he was reading effectively a report that, you know, several elders had signed off on, um, and a, uh, an elder who I, I won't mention his name because I don't want to give him any airtime, but he's notorious at GA, um, stood yeah. up and, and protested that okay. his language was intemperate, was was the protest. Yeah, and he's like reading Romans 1 and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And well, I think what, to, to be... To, to be very exact on what the other side said was they said that he was reading too much into the intentions of of the revoice and of people like Greg Johnson and that he needed to stick more with the facts. Wow. And I, I don't I didn't find it to be intemperate. I mean, I literally was almost asleep because it was midnight or whenever when this yeah. was being read. Right. And I'm like, what, what did he say that was offensive? Yeah. But and yeah, he didn't follow. And, and part of I, there's still kind of a backstory. So this whole kind of revoice movement that's kind of been coming slithering its way into the PCA, but kind of there's a backstory of just kind of how the PCA has kind of allowed the progressives to have more of a voice within the PCA. And there's kind of a division between kind of like conservative Presbyterian uh, ruling elders and kind of progressive ruling el- elders in the PCA. And if you guys know that the the PCA, this is a this is a um not getting at to all the detail of it. But this is just a general summary. The PCA split from the PCUSA back in the 70s and over uh, inherency, basically liberalism. Yeah. Inherency of the scriptures. We saw it coming. And, so they saw it coming. <laughs> and so they split. And now it feels like the PCA is kind of rinsing and repeating some of this a little bit over the last five years. Yeah. And I, I think it's a matter of degree, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look at the way it breaks down um, – you know the the PCA is four hundred thousand communicant members, mm-hmm. and I always like to say if you know if you if you take American viewpoints and you kind of stretch your arms out all the way, you know you got right and left. That's that's mm-hmm. America. Yeah, the PCA is kind of a slice of the of the center right. Yeah, right. Then, and but so within that, um, you know there there is diversity, and I think I think one of the concerns from what I would say is what I would identify as, as the more confessional conservative side. I don't, I don't really know what to call it, but mm-hmm. traditional historical confessional Presbyterianism, Presbyterianism yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that we see this and it's not just about the slippery slope, but there are actual very nuanced, but important theological arguments being made that we don't agree with and right. that we think any of themselves are bad, but right. the fruit of them will be much worse. Right. And so, you know, kind of, so there's this liberalism that's been, or progressivism that's been kind of affecting or impacting the PCA over the last number of years. I've seen it. Um, I had a pastor in my church in Oregon. He's, he, he actually was PCA and then he went U.S. PCA. So he mm-hmm. went liberal. Um, after yeah. all this, his kids left the faith and, and so he went liberal. Um, but he was a, uh, not a six day creationist. Um, you know, there's a number of things where it's like he was already kind of going liberal. And then his kids left the faith, so he just went all PCUSA on us. Yeah. Um, so that was that was happening um, in in the Presbyterian Church, uh, and then you start having this revoice movement come in, and there, and, and and then uh, the last PCA was two years ago because last year's General Assembly was canceled because of COVID, and so yet they had to wait two years to kind of um, fight about this or clean it up what had happened yeah. in the last General Assembly. So that kind of brings us to last last week. Um, maybe kind of just give us a, a first a, a general run through of what happened at General Assembly. Um, what were the big issues, and then we'll get into some of the specifics. Yeah, um, j- just to back up for one second. Yeah, I'll, I'll always remember 2019 General Assembly because that's when 
Greg Johnson kind of came out as yeah. this gay uh, homosexual. Oh, Christianity so did, did, today did this big spread on him. And, yeah, you know, like this Vanity Fair spread. It was stupid. Well, and the, the, the funny thing is, he did that from the floor of the assembly while speaking in op- opposition to us adopting the Nashville statement. The elder who spoke in favor of the national statement directly before him was myself. So okay. as I'm walking back to my seat, I look up at the screen and I see Greg Johnson. I knew who he was. I'd actually had discussions with him on Facebook Messenger before on these topics. Yeah. And I'm looking at oh, Greg and then I hear what he's saying. And by the time I get back to my seat, I'm just, this has all gone ter- terribly wrong from where I just was. Wow. So I'll always remember that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what was on the agenda? I think um, if you want to call it a movie, um, I guess um, some of our critics would call it uh, it was Revenge of the Sith. Um, I like to think maybe it was Revenge of the Nerds. Um, I'm, yeah, but I, yeah. <laughs> Revenge of the Conservatives. Revenge yeah. of the yeah, I, you know something something like that. But um, yeah, it was definitely um, time to deal with this stuff. Yeah. It was time to you know we'd had two years to process it. Um, there had been a um, a report that a study report that had been done on human sexuality and it, it was actually fairly narrow. I mean, that's a broad topic. Yeah. Um, but what that report said was, and it depends on how you read it. Um, it was a consensus document, but I, I think it was pretty clearly on the side of historical confessional Presbyterianism on sexuality, on sexual, yeah. on specifically yeah. it was really dealing with homosexuality and, and gender issues. Yeah. But I really think that when we talk about what's the, what's the big idea, I think the same sort of gender confusion that is all about us in the world has, has, begun to try to come into the PCA. It's there in its own way. Um, I would say most fundamentally what I see time and time again is um, just not, not really supporting and not being excited about distinctive historical things like male leadership, ordained yeah. eldership. Um, everyone, every elder in the PCA would say that they believe that, um, at least when it comes to elders. Right. Um, and yet I think they're kind of ashamed of it. Yeah. And I think that's there. So it's, it's this doctrine they have, they kind of put it up on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this sort of, I'm not going to say it's everywhere, but it's, it's a problem we have about confusion on these topics. And I think what we had at the GA overall was, was clarifying. Yeah. I think that, um, and it, and it wasn't just a niche group. I mean, the, the votes ended up being very large right. and, um, the spread the difference between yeah. up and down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go with, you know, do there were 2,100 commissioners signed up, which was a record level. So just that right there, wow. there were more people who showed up to it than had ever um, showed up before, um, or at least record. It, th- there might have been bigger ones in the past. Some of it's geographical. The, the PC is heavily southern, yeah. so if you do one in Atlanta, you might get bigger numbers just because right. you got a lot more people there. Right. But especially for St. Louis, it was a it was a great turnout. Well, attended, yeah. And it and I will, uh, as a ruling elder, I'll just say the the turnout of ruling elders was huge, yeah. and I think that also sways the vote because on average, mm-hmm. ruling elders are going to be more conservative yeah. than than our teaching elders. So, what were uh, the big issues um, on the docket? You had the Greg Johnson revoice stuff. Yep. What else? What were some of the other big issues? Yeah. So there were two overtures on that, which we can get into that kind of dealt with Greg. Um, The, the, the first one, actually I was on, we have a a missions organization called mission to the world. And one of the um, issues that had come up there was they uh, had had a group of missionaries write a letter and called, you know, concerned missionaries. And their concern was in, in terms of direct line reports, so people that had authority over them, not mm-hmm. people they were co-laboring with, but people that they had to report to, were increasingly becoming non-ordained people. Okay, so you had ordained elders who were being ultimately run by unordained men, sometimes Layman, women. Women in the church. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh-huh. but I think the, the issue we focused on was unordained people. Mm-hmm. And so they were concerned with that. So we had to fight that battle because 
the permanent committee that runs Mission to the World, they didn't they didn't like that. Right. Yeah. They didn't they didn't want to have that stricture and you know, I'm sure they had their own good reasons for it. It's it's hard to find ordained people, but whatever. But for us on the committee and later on the floor, it was very clear we need to have the right authority structure. So yeah. we actually voted to change the the way that Mission to the World is organized that in terms of direct line reporting, right. it will be elders holding elders accountable. Right. And that's so and that was started because of the missionaries that are on the field. They, they requested that. Like, hey, some we, we want to report to yeah. the elders. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, there were some who okay. came and spoke and said, hey, no, I, I report to this guy and he's not ordained and he's great. And it's like, well, but it's not about him being great or not. Yeah, it's right. about what is the authority structure? What does ordination mean? Yeah, Is it just right. something we do? Or yeah. is there actual spiritual gifting? Yeah. Is there actual reality to being ordained? Okay, so you had the mission to the world issue. You had the Greg Johnson stuff. Was there any other big issues that you guys tackled? Uh, we... I would say we, in a, in a sense, we we dealt with critical race theory, um, probably not in the way that some people would like, yeah. but I think there's wisdom to this. Um, there were people who wanted to do a study committee on it, uh-huh. and so we rejected that. And I think from the conservative side is we don't want to go there. Yeah, And it's not that we embrace that, but uh-huh. I think it shows uh, for us to put together a consensus document um, – you'd have to represent all sides right. and we don't, we just don't want to get into that. Yeah. So I actually see that as a victory for, um, for the side that I care about where we don't, I just don't, I think pastors should engage with that. I think if yeah. presbyterians want to deal with that, but as far as should we spend our time with a, yet another study committee? I mean, presbyterians yeah. love study committees. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a Presbyterian study committee to change a light bulb in the church. Exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that was one thing. And, you know, people can read that how they want. My read from the floor was, it was a rejection of, we don't want that. Yeah. It wasn't that they're afraid of it. Who was pushing that? The CRT. Who was pushing that? Yeah. Um, I don't remember. There was a, there was a Presbytery yeah. that had, but it, if, if I recall, it was a Presbytery that, well, I, I shouldn't speak out of turn. Presbytery? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't remember yeah. uh, which Presbytery yeah. did, but. Um, okay, and then so let's get into the Greg Johnson revoice stuff. Now, just to recap, I already, already mentioned this at the very beginning of the show, the whole um, uh, kind of revoice movement is a movement of Christians, some of, some of them including church leaders, in this case a Presbyterian church leader, Greg Johnson. They're um, basically arguing that you can may, be a gay Christian celibate um, and, and, and that language of identity um, is consistent with ses- sexual orthodoxy in the scriptures. Now we reject that. We say, you know, don't identify with your sin. Don't say you're a gay Christian. Um, and if you are saying you're a gay Christian, then then you have proclivities that you need to repent of. Yeah, and um, I think I think where Greg tries to slice it, and I hope I'm accurately representing yeah. him. If not Greg, I know people within the movement have said this. Mm-hmm. Um, is that they want to compare um, the the particular sin that they deal with of homosexuality being you know same-sex attraction um they want to compare that to sort of like being born blind yeah. right or having a club foot right. right this is a result of the fall right, right which we would no. agree with um yep. that a club foot or being born blind that that yep. didn't happen in, in, before the fall um and so what they're what they're really getting at is where does sin come from what is it and i think when i said earlier there's a there's a theological precision here that really matters yeah and and some people see well you're straining at gnats well you know the the Council of Nicaea, you know, the only difference between, you know, the, the Arian side and the Athanasius side was, is, is Christ of the same substance of God? Yep. Is he uh, hom- homoousias or is he yep. homoousias? Yep, is right. he the exact same? Yep. I mean, we deal in precision because precision matters. So what, how we see that, that sinful nature, 
Um, what is it? Is it something in and of itself to be repented of? Is, that's really important. I think that's ultimately what this debate was over. Right. It's right. hard to get down to that depth, especially. Yeah. It, and so they're trying yeah. to argue that, hey, we're born in sin. So me just saying, hey, you know, recognizing that um, I'm, a, I'm a gay Christian. I'm just saying this is just, you know, part of what I was born in. I reject it. I'm not practicing it. Yeah. Um, but I'm uh, uh, that sin nature is still clinging to me. Yeah, and I think what they're what they're saying. I mean, some people said, and I know people at the at the conference that Greg hosted even said, you know, what what can we learn from this this brokenness? Like, what treasures from from queer uh, right. what culture? Queer treasures would be yeah, in heaven. Would be was in one heaven. Of talks. Yeah, yeah. So it's really this thing of you know, it's just I mean, things you would never say. Like if we just if we just quickly shifted and say, okay, well, what if I just now that I don't say this, so this isn't me, but hypothetically, if I just said, well, you know, I just. I just don't really like people who don't who aren't of my race. Yeah. I, I'm just I was born a racist, yeah. right? That that's just who I am. And look, I don't act on it. I don't I don't discriminate against people. I work with people. Right. I you know, but but in my heart, that's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, and that's just kind of how I'm oriented. I, I'm a racist, but I'm not practicing racist. Yeah, I yeah. mean, we all get it. We're like, well, obviously, no, you yeah. you can't do that. Right. So I think that's. But if we said, well, you're born blind, you know, no right. one would. Say, well, okay, that's not anything to be repentant right. of. So that's really the debate: is which one does this. Does this category, uh, which category does this fall into? Yeah, and it seems to me they're they're, they're confusing categories. Um, part of part of it is what they're doing is they're confusing categories. One is kind of you know sin nature, and then the other the other um, that's one category. You know we're all born in sin, we're all of of the line of Adam, and then the other distinct category here is like okay, what sins are you repenting of and not living in? You know through through by the grace of God and through sanctification. You know, because we can say, yeah, everyone agrees we got sin nature, but at the same time, the Bible still has standards for what it means to be a pastor. Yeah, and and so and that being born in sin nature does not conflict with this, the Bible saying, well, you can't be in an adulterous relationship and be a pastor, or you can't be a pastor who identifies as struggling with a, a you know adultery but doesn't act on it, you know, but he you, you know he doesn't act on it, but he can still be a pastor. It's like no, you need to um, you need to step down if, if you're identifying with these sins then you're saying that they're having some sort of um, uh, um they're still getting a hold of you at some level in all this in, in your walk with the lord and so to be a pastor to be a leader you can't be violating first timothy chapter three yeah you know? and i think that's the clarity that we needed so that's actually what overture 23 said is that it talks about the character and it and it, it names names it, it talks about specific um you know, it talks about specific issues as far as you, if you're going to be a pastor, you cannot identify as a gay Christian, a same-sex attracted, as a homosexual Christian, or like right. terms. And that, that actually really made some people Did mad. Did they say racist? You can't identify well, as racist either? So there, there's one, that, that one didn't, but Overture 37 that deals with um, ordination, it does. Okay. So we actually, we actually broadened as far as what we're going to be examining men on is exactly the point, because I think the point holds, because see, you, you start to pull on the thread, right, of what's really behind this. And, and the thing that's manifested itself is in this very specific thing. And because of the age we live in, it's very clear. But like I was getting out earlier is we're uncovering the under the theological underpinnings. And mm -hmm. it does apply to all these things. Yeah. It's just, you know, no one's going to come out from the floor of general 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 assembly and say, uh, I, I'm I'm a. I'm, I'm a racist, but I'm celibate for my yeah. racism. No, like you get no cultural cachet for that. And I'm not saying that's the only reason Greg came out the way he did and said what he said, but, right. but that's well, certainly, I, I 
I remember. I, I remember when I, I when he was on the cover of uh, Christianity Today magazine, coming out as a gay pastor. Yeah, I remember tweeting that and saying, "Man, it, it, you know, it's like he had the chance to come out on our show when we had him on in 2018. We specifically asked him, yeah. are you gay?' Sure, and he turned it into a joke." Saying hey, you know, to Knox, and he said, "Hey, you, why you want to go out or something like that?" He said, yeah. "There's some some weird joke, um, and all that." Uh, so read. Uh, you got Overture 36 in front of you. Yeah, 37. So that okay, so this is the one, they're, and they're actually very similar. Um, but yeah, so 37 talks about the examination for well, specifically for teaching elders in this case. So okay. pastors. Okay, uh-huh. um, you also have. It's going to apply also to ruling elders. Teaching so, elders, ruling elders. And, yeah. yeah, we're all elders in the church. Some of us have the job of administration, ruling the church, and as opposed to being teachers. Yep. Right. Uh-huh. So I have a day job too. Yep. Right. That's, that's kind of the difference. But um, yeah, it basically it says that um, in the examination of the candidate's personal character, the presbytery shall give specific attention to potentially notorious concerns, such as, but not limited to, re- relational sins, sexual immorality, Parentheses, including homosexuality, child sexual abuse, fornication, and pornography, mm-hmm. um, addictions, abusive behavior, racism, financial mismanagement. Careful attention must be given to his practical struggle against sinful actions as well as persistent sinful desires. Yep. And it goes on from there. But really, what we're what we're giving. So I'm on the credentials committee. We examine teaching elders who want to come and be uh, a, a pastor in our in our presbytery. This gives us specific tools, specific language to say, we're going to ask you about this. Yeah. Right. And yeah. some people say, well, why are you naming names? Why not just leave it general? Well, because naming name sins, they obviously need to be named because that's why we're in this mess. Yeah. So obviously we had been ordaining a lot of people that hadn't thought through these things. And that's why you get this movement. And right. it, it is a minority movement within the PCA. It's not the right. majority position. Right. And so that overture, it's, um, uh, looking at again. And so, um, going going back to kind of the revoice movement, they're arguing that at some level that you can be a gay Christian, you can you can identify as a gay Christian, which means um, and not practicing, not you know a celibate gay Christian, which means you at some level still have these desires and affections for another man. Yeah, at some level. Now yeah. you aren't practicing, you aren't acting on it, and everything. And but but the but part of the problem is kind of the um, anthropology of how God created us. So. Um, it's not a sin for a man to have feelings for a woman. Um, it, it's a you know you know my wife for example. It's not sure. a sin for me to have yeah. feelings for my wife. It is absolutely a hundred percent sin to have feelings for another man, and and so to be able to even maintain that you know this kind of identity is kind of lingering on you. It, it's, it's, you're you're saying that that God can't totally break all your sin. Like the gospel is just not sufficient enough for even. For the, the 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 struggles that you have in identifying as a gay gay you know celibate Christian, it's such a weird it's such a weird category or such a weird way of kind of talking about who you are in Christ uh, and everything. So um, so when you guys put that overture forward, um, did it pass? Did it did yeah it go through? Yeah. So so and twenty four essentially said the same thing. So overture twenty four had to do with men that are currently ordained. Okay. Thirty seven that I just read part of was very similar. It dealt with examining men for ordination. Yep. But yeah, and actually they passed by, by large majority. So kind of my joke about revenge on the nerds, yeah. right? The theology nerds were like, yeah, we're going to get this one. So yeah. uh, a 23 vote uh, passed uh, 1,438 to 417. Okay, that's the overture 23. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's the one dealing with men who are currently ordained, basically yeah. saying you cannot identify, um, you cannot 
as part of your identify uh, identif- identification as a Christian, you can't include in that yep. sinful desires. Okay. okay? And what about thirty seven? Um, and thirty seven passed. It was slightly. It was a. They had a minority report on that, so it was a little more controversial, but it still passed by a large margin. So the the one on on that po- uh, passed by. Um, I think it got two hundred more no votes. About okay. so. Yeah. Why, why one, would that get no votes? Well, it, so, or more more no votes than the other one. I mean, they're the, essentially yeah. the same thing. Well, I voted yes on that one, so yeah, uh, it would be. So I, I was I was speaking with a brother. He actually we flew back from St. Louis together on the same plane as yeah. we were getting our luggage. And this is a, a an entirely decent g- good man in yeah. the PCA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said he voted yes on twenty three, and he voted no on thirty seven because of the the language of thirty seven. So thirty seven contains language that is a little more sharp, rough, sharp, I guess. Uh-huh. So I mean, that's, biblical. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's you're Paul. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's this guy Paul. Yeah. I mean, it, but that's that's what you get, right? You get you get that's guys so who weird. you get, but you get that in the PC. You get these guys who are genuinely nice pastors who love the Lord, and you know they'll vote if if they like the language, yes, and then that they don't know. But it's not that this man disagrees with the principle. Yeah. It's more about how do we wordsmith it, yeah. and at some point, winsome. Yeah. yeah. Well, and at some point, you know, you can only do so much wordsmithing in an overtures committee. I mean, they worked on these things for hours wow. yeah. um, and they finally got consensus, you know, yeah. enough to pass to them. Pass but, them yeah. So what happens? So these these um, overtures pass. They they aren't binding yet. How do they become binding? Yeah. So we're really going to geek out on PC yep. quality. I love yep. this. Here we, go. Here we go. Yeah. So so the way it works is the overture was passed. Okay. And it's a, now in this case, it's a, it's a suggestion that we would change the book of church order, which is our constitution. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in order to change that, you have to have two thirds of the presbyteries now pass it, mm-hmm. which I think will happen um, pretty easily. Um, yeah. Don't know about my presbytery. Might not pass, yeah. but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, but I think most of them it will. And then, yeah. um, and then it will have to come back before GA, which will be in 2022 in Birmingham, and it yeah. will be voted on again. And if that happens, print a new book of church order. This stuff is included. Okay. And then um, let's say it gets passed. It gets in the book of church order. How does it become uh, um, enforced? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a great question. So, I mean, um, it comes down to the, the way the court system works. So, in, in the PCA, you have courts, right? General Assembly is a court. Mm-hmm. Presbyteries are a court. Southern and, Baptists have courts too. They yeah. just they just hire all. They outsource all that. With <laughs> and then private companies. Yeah, and then you have um, you know the presbyteries a court, and then local sessions are a court. Uh-huh. So I, I would argue it'd be incumbent upon a local session to look and see does is is a pastor and elder violating this, and yep. that's where it should start. If it doesn't, then it's up to the presbytery. And if the presbytery won't, then um, it goes to to the General Assembly. But the General Assembly has generally um, now outsource that to the standing judicial commission of the the GA because we can't otherwise you'd have to be prosecuting a court case every GA and wow. you'd have yep. you'd have you'd have what five thousand or two thousand jurors there I mean it's oh, just golly. that's just impractical okay. so okay. so that's how it'll happen so you'll you'll yeah. have to have a, a test case so and who knows a guy Greg might I don't know maybe he'll be one I mean there's already process against him right now okay. so he's currently under um, he's currently being examined and, and having to fight through these issues or, yep. you know, people are fighting about these issues right now. Yep. So that's how it will have to work is that there'll have to be an example and then you have to take it to the court and, and right. get a decision. And, you know, one of the things that kind of made me uh, nervous about the PCA is I haven't seen much of a fight yeah. um, about this publicly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so, and I know, and at the same time I've known 
uh, pastors and churches that have left the PCA over all these issues already. Yep. And without putting them up, much of a fight, some of them have, some of them haven't. Um, so uh, it's encouraging to see that the PCA actually passed these overtures that there's in in a, at least a two thirds majority too. Yeah, um, I think we changed the Overton window too. And what okay. I mean by that is the the yep. the, the range Acceptable of discussion. Dialogue. Yeah, yep. exactly. Uh-huh. Because I mean here, and and I don't know. Um, I mean, there, I won't get into back, you know, what happened in behind closed doors and all that because I don't know. That's all hearsay. Yeah. But the fact that twenty three, which is very clear. I mean, Overture 23 is very clear that people who identify this way are not qualified to be ministers, which I'll just note real quick, doesn't mean they're not welcome in our churches. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, right. In, in our denomination, women are not ordainable to be pastors. Yeah. And the vast majority of men yeah. who are fine Christian men, they're not ordainable to be pastors. Right. Right. So and they're all welcome elders. in the church, yeah. Yeah, they're all right. welcome in the church. Right. We're not we're not talking about you're welcome here. Not we're talking about who's going to lead. Yeah. Right. But but there was no minority report on 23. So even the progressives in, in the PCA apparently were ready to sign on to it. Cause if they weren't, they would have done a minority report to try to sway the floor another way. Uh-huh. So, I mean, there's a few people on Twitter who were pretty upset about it, yeah, but right. I, what I mean by that is even the progressives were willing to sign on to 23, which when you read 23, you're like, well, I guess the progressives don't have the same views that we thought they did. Yeah. Right. Or they just gave up. Right. Right. So it, I'll just say this, the, the general sense of being there. And yeah, obviously I've, I've shown my cards. I'm on the more confessional conservative side. I mean, whatever. Yeah. I just think yeah. I'm biblical. biblical. I think I'm just yeah. biblical, biblical, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's my argument, but we have to right. use labels. <laughs> um, that, that there was a, there was a palpable sense of we, our side, and I even hate saying that because we're one church, but there are sides, right? And we were, we were driving the bus and yeah. other people are along for the ride. Right. And if they don't like where it's going, then, but it's very clear who's, who's driving the bus. Well, it's good to see like conservatives actually rise up in the PCA and kind of deal with these issues because it w- wasn't really happening two years ago. No, no. And I think it, I think, I think some people overplayed their hand. I think they, they thought that they were going to get a certain response that they just didn't get. And I'll have to say this, um, just anecdotal observation, like, Thank God for our Southern brethren, because the PCA is a heavily Southern church. And, yeah. and you saw that I, I mentioned my own, my own presbytery. Um, this may not pass my presbytery. I don't okay. know. I'm going to, I mean, if you, if, if you're a ruling elder and you're my presbytery, please like, let me know. Let's talk. We got to <laughs> yeah. get people out. We got to, we got to educate. We got to inform. We got to have dialogue, yeah. especially with, with our, with our brothers and, and talk about why this is an entirely reasonable and, and kind thing to actually yeah. say. Yeah. I think that it's actually a very loving and kind thing that we've did that we've done. So it seems like, um, you you know, the PCA um, has at least looked shaky the last, I don't know, for me, you know, five to ten years. And seeing kind of this this shift or, 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 or stance happen in the last General Assembly um, kind of gives me a little more hope for the future of the PCA. What do you what do you what are you seeing and what do you think about that? Yeah, I think the way I, I see it is it, it comes down to, um, you know, what's the level of, of agreement you need to have with people? I think it's clear where the majority is going, um, and it's just a matter of what are the outliers, what are they, what are they saying, and, and how long are we going to continue to be one body, though we have some some differences. But the majority is clear. Yeah. I think the majority is in a good direction. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm encouraged. I mean, I've, I've talked to a lot of pastors about the last GA General, General Assembly in 2019, and um, it was real negative. It was tough. You know, it, was, it, was it was negative. It was a depressing so. flight home from Dallas. Was it? It was. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad to, glad to see some, some fight there in my old denomination and everything. Hey, guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys, you know, kind of take from this that, you know, get engaged, 
figure out what's going on in your church, your broader denomination, your broader communities and networks and what's going on. Um, it is really, you know, this is something that one of the reasons why we started Cross Politics years ago is because the church wasn't thinking and getting engaged in politics very well. And the same thing is going on at the denomination level. Um, for years, I think some of these movements happen because good men, good leadership in the in the denomination is just not stepping up. And so um, uh, it's good to uh, get involved and know what's going on and everything. So make sure you're doing that in your own denomination, your own uh, turf that God has given you. Um, make sure you guys download the app. Go to your favorite app store, Fight, Laugh, Feast. Type in Fight, Laugh, Feast. Download the app. And then, of course, you can um, follow Scott Hedgecock on Facebook. Uh, that is facebook.com forward slash um, S Hed Hedgecock H-E-D-G-C-O-C-K Scott Hedgecock S Hedgecock on Facebook so that's that's, yeah. that's what he did hit me up yeah. and um, check out Trinitas Church yeah, and if there's more elders also that are tuning in and want to kind of get connected with like-minded men in the PCA that are fighting reach out to Scott and everything yeah thanks okay. Gabe alright yep glad to have you on man yeah Till next time love God and go fight laugh and feast.